crime, cases, and backing the blue. Now, here are your hosts, Captain Ed Mamet and Detective Kevin Schroeder. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Cop Talk. I'm Kevin Schroeder. I'm here with my co-host, Captain Ed Mamet. Say hello, Ed. Hello, WABC listeners. We have another prominent guest today. So today's guest is Paul DiGiacomo. Paul DiGiacomo is the president of the DEA, the Detective Endowment Association. Uh, not to be confused with the uh, Drug Enforcement Administration. It's the Detective Endowment Association, the world's largest police department union for the detectives. And he, Paul came on the job in 1983. He started in the housing police department. And then after that, he rolled over to the New York City Police Department. Right. And he worked in Brooklyn South, and he earned his gold shield in 1993. And in 1994, he became a DEA delegate. So, Paul, welcome. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. So, Paul, let's get right to it. Uh, most people, all, most of our listeners know who you are. If they don't, I'm not sure where they've been. But with that said, uh, tell everyone about yourself, your law enforcement background, where you were born and raised about yourself well most importantly uh you know my father was a police officer and i wanted to follow in his footsteps and uh i was very proud of him and very excited uh to get into into the field of policing uh i came on in 1983 in the uh, new york city housing police i worked in psa one in coney island with some great cops great detectives you learn the job very quickly you worked alone a lot uh, and then i rolled over 1985 i went to the 7-0 precinct then I went to uh, Borough Anti-Crime, then Brooklyn South Narcotics, then Major Case in Narcotics. Uh, then I went over to the ATF Joint Task Force, and then to uh, an FBI Task Force, then HIDA, and then I, I went full-time into the DEA. So how much time did you work in Brooklyn before you went to the DEA? Oh, I worked in Brooklyn for quite a few years, probably about 10 years. Uh, was it Brooklyn South? Brooklyn, Brooklyn South, Borough Crime, yeah, it was great. Great command. It was uh, a very difficult time in our city. We had a lot of cops that were shot and killed in, in what we call the Bermuda Triangle, the uh, 6 7 7 0, and 7 1 precincts. You know, Bobby Machati, Louis Miller, uh, Joe Galapo, uh, just to name a few, uh, that lost their lives in the line of duty back in those days. Paul, what was your most uh, memorable case you worked on? Well, there was uh, one particular case that I worked on. Uh, it was a group of us, it wasn't just me, where we worked on a uh, a 20-year-old homicide uh, of a, um, a police officer, George Shue. George Shue was coming out of his house. Uh, he was a Navy reservist. Uh, as he was coming out of his house, he uh, observed an individual uh, breaking into a car. He intervened. Uh, the individual, later identified as Henry Vega, uh, turned on the uh, police officer and uh, shot him with a thirty-eight caliber pen gun uh, right in his head, uh, killing him. Uh, 20 years later, we wound up working the case. Uh, the shooter was infatu infatuated with organized crime. Uh, we set up a social club, and we set up like a, a fake organized crime family. I was one of the undercovers with uh, two undercovers and a main undercover. And uh, we wound up, uh, you know, doing the case, getting him involved in, in drug uh, sales. And uh, ultimately, uh, he spoke of the homicide of the cop. Uh, in the social club that we had wired up and with film and, and sound. And uh, it was a very uh, rewarding case uh, to have worked. I was very proud of that case and very proud to work with the detectives that worked on that case with me. Captain? Yeah, Paul, this is uh, really startling. Over 5,000 cops were attacked 
last year and injured. Um, how how would the uh, NYPD respond to that if it happened? Or how are they responding to that? And another question I had for you is at the time, after the George Floyd riots, you were uh, having lawsuits brought against people that attack cops. Is that still going on? Absolutely. Anyone that assaults a New York City police detective and there is injury, we will bring them civil action against those individuals. How many of those cases do you have? Uh, right now, I think we've had, uh, if I remember correctly, about six or seven uh, that our attorneys are working on. And, and in your opinion, what should the PD do to um, minimize these attacks, which are really troublesome? Well, we're, we're in a very difficult time in policing in our city um, because uh, there have been laws enacted, the bail reform laws that we told uh, the governor weren't going to work four years ago, uh, the diaphragm compression law, uh, this new law that Jermani Williams came, came out with. Uh, they're making laws to constantly tie the hands of the police, uh, which makes our job very difficult. You know, back in the 80s and 90s, we had a difficult time uh, with some politicians. We had a lot, of, lot going on, uh, but there weren't laws enacted on the books. Uh, there were policies, and policies could be changed very quickly. Uh, now, with these laws that, have that are enacted on the books, uh, it's very difficult uh, to efficiently do our jobs. And um, because of these laws, uh, there's no consequences. And uh, the only way to change things around and to move back in the right direction is to take these laws off the books. And I don't see that happening anytime soon. Well, that would require legislation. That's correct. Uh, and what's interesting is Adams now claims that uh, he had no choice in some of these things. He listened to his lawyers. But I have always maintained that the mayor's office, through the Corporation Council, can submit legislation to the city council. Now, with this city council, they'll probably not pass it. Correct. But at least the message is given, you know, that we're not going to stand by doing nothing. We're going to bring... These, uh, this litigation to change these laws. And hopefully something might happen. Well, I, I find the city council is, is counterproductive, counterproductive uh, to the safety of the people of this city. Uh, you know, they never do anything to enhance uh, the police department, to help the police department. They never enact legislation to help the victims of crime. You know, they just constantly are putting in legislation to, to tie the hands of the police. And uh, I think it's a disservice uh, to the people of the city. Uh, you know, and I, I think it's wrong. And uh, I think the city is heading in a direction that they're uh, going to be unable to turn back. That's a very profound statement. You, you have been the spokesman for quite a few of the unions. Um, you've been speaking up prominently. And uh, I think that's quite impressive. Um, but, you know, Ray Kelly, the former police commissioner, we interviewed him not too long ago, he keeps saying they should bring back the nightsticks. Um, and um, Curtis Lee will keep saying that. And I believe in that, too. I'm from the generation where we carried a nightstick, a.k.a. a baton. And I guess you carried a baton also. I still have my father's. Okay. <laughs> and so did I. So did I. So are you in favor, I'm assuming this is a loaded question, of bringing back the batons? Well, I, I believe if used properly uh, and trained properly, I, I think they're effective. Uh, and I think they... They make the perpetrators uh, think twice before they assault you, uh, and that's the problem. You know, it's just that the, you know, there's a sense of fear uh, on the police part, and there's a sense of being emboldened on the criminal part uh, now. And um, 
they're not afraid of the police. They're not uh, afraid to assault the police. And, and it's a big problem uh, because, you know, another big problem that's uh, part of this whole equation is uh, CCRB, the Civilian Complaint Review Board. Uh, they keep trying to get, grasp more power, uh, and, and they are, and they are uh, over-budgeted and uh, an incompetent agency, and they're a cop haters, and all they do is try to hurt the cops. We're in the process right now where we brought a lawsuit against an individual investigator at CCRB and suing CCRB as a whole as well because, um, again, their, their derogatory um, sense towards the police has to be addressed and they have to be pushed back. That's a great idea. Bravo. Thank you. Paul, as a DA head, what is your responsibilities and goal? Well, the responsibility is, uh, one, to uh, represent our detectives in any type of disciplinary uh, conflict, um, w which we do. We also administer uh, health benefits, uh, prescription drugs, eyeglasses, and dental to both active and retired uh, New York City uh, detectives. And um, we also uh, sue uh, different perpetrators that assault our, our detectives. And again, uh, to reiterate, we're suing the CCRB as well uh, for their, uh, you know, inept uh, attacks on, on, our, on our members. And talk, tell me about uh, your charity work. I know the DA is very involved with charity work. I know you're very involved with the Widows and Children. Mm -hmm. Can you yeah. tell us about that? Yeah, well, unfortunately, uh, because of 9-11, um, I think we have the highest amount of uh, detectives in the and all the ranks that, that we lost in 9-11 uh, in because it was the largest crime scene in the history of the NYPD. We had detectives uh, naturally down at, at Ground Zero. Uh, we had detectives at the landfill and detectives at the morgue. And uh, we've literally lo we've lost hundreds of detectives to post 9-11 uh, cancer. And as we sit here right now, there are hundreds that are sick with cancer. So uh, we, we represent those detectives and uh, when they pass, it's as they've been shot in the line of duty, they get the same uh, benefits th that you deserve, rightfully deserve as being shot in the line of duty. Uh, and COVID as well. Uh, we lost eight detectives more than any other rank uh, in the New York City Police Department uh, during COVID because our detectives uh, were out in the hospitals interviewing uh, complainants. They were in close quarters in the... Uh, in the box in the room where we do interviews of perpetrators and uh, they were out in the streets on, on a regular basis and they paid the ultimate price yes. uh, both in 9-11 and both uh, and also with covid uh where they gave their lives and we treat those families uh just as if it was a detective shot in the line of duty and uh, those people are very special people uh, to me i was brought up uh, to uh, go above and beyond for those families and that's something I live, I live by, and they're very, very special to myself and very special uh, to the DEA as a whole. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. Uno. He's your numero uno. Paul, what would you say are the 
challenges today with the for the NYPD detectives? I know there's many of them, but just to name a few, what would you say is some? Well, the main challenge I believe we have right now is manpower. Uh, in 2001, uh, when 9/11 happened, uh, we had 7,500 detectives. Uh, right now, we have about 5,300 detectives, and we're doing more investigative steps now than we did then. We're doing counterterrorism duties now, which we didn't do then. And the, coast, the caseload uh, in some of the detective squads uh, and the busy squads are carrying anywhere from 300 to 500 cases per detective. So that's totally unmanageable. It's not fair to the, uh, uh, to the detectives, and uh, we need more detectives uh, to efficiently uh, do our job. So the detectives, they come from patrol, correct? There's a white shield, and right. they go through the process, and they're in a squad for... Yeah, you know, the white shields, uh, you know, they go into anti-crime, uh, and then um, they do that for a while, and then the CO puts them up in the detective squad. But there's no cops on patrol either, so there's no way... You know, there's no, no way. anti-crime either. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it's unfortunate because policing is a dying profession. And uh, it used to be something where uh, people wanted the job. Uh, it used to have 50,000 people apply for the job, uh, and they don't have that anymore because of all the politics involved, uh, you don't have the backing uh, of, of the politicians, uh, both on a, a, a local, a state, and federal level, uh, which we've never seen before. We always had maybe one entity of government that didn't back you, but now it's all three entities of government that, that don't bank the police. And uh, it's not a rewarding job uh, for these new kids. For the, nobody gets paid enough to get verbally and physically abused the way New York City police officers do, and it's, uh, it's out of control. And it, it's got to be addressed. And we got to focus on the cops. we got to focus on uh, the victims of crime and, and stop pandering to the people that commit the crimes. Yeah, it's, how many active detectives, you said? About, about 5,300 right now. And how many retired detectives, members of the DEA? Well, in total, we have about 18,000. 18,000. Yeah. Okay. Captain? You know, it's interesting. Uh, when I was a detective, there were approximately 3,000. So the number has uh, more than uh, almost doubled. Yeah, but I guess the uh, the workload has doubled and the size of the department has doubled. Well, now we have detectives uh, in narcotics. You know, it's not just the squads. Years ago, right, right now we have them in narcotics. We have them in counterterrorism. Uh, we have them in community affairs. Uh, we have them in uh, the Joint Terrorist Task Force. We have detectives all over wor all over the world doing counterterrorism duties, uh, keeping the city safe. So uh, it's a little different, but. Um, you know, we don't have enough detectives, and that's the problem. There are days in busy detective squads where we have more bad guys in the detective squad cage or cell than we do uh, detectives working in that I squad. Yeah. I believe it. Yeah. You know, Our squads I, are overwhelmed. You, you're speaking about narcotics. You know, there was a time, I was seven years in narcotics. It was called, it was called the Narcotics Bureau. Mm, yeah. At that time... The detective was not a bureau, it was the detective division. Right. And the units under that were the bureaus. So <clears throat> narcotics was the largest bureau within the detective division. We had approximately 400 people. Yeah. And that was back in the late 60s, uh, early 60s, late 60s, when the drug problem was pretty hot with heroin. Yeah. So and, but, yeah, and we have to remember also we're, we're very honored and privileged uh, to have ESU, the Emergency Service Unit. Uh, are, are all detectives, or mostly detectives now as well. So out of that 5,300, you have a lot of different groups in there. It's not all detectives doing detective work in detective squads. Uh, everybody is, uh, does their specialty uh, uh, in counterterrorism, in emergency service, community affairs, uh, accident investigation. Um, 
so it, it's very uh, it's it's a, it's a very a different detective squad than it was back back when right. you were on well, the Well, when I was in, we had the you had the precinct detective squads and some of the specialty units. Yes, uh, it wasn't the way it is today. Um, on another um, tack, you um, are very involved in the, in the union. Uh, what about the dealing with other unions across the country? Police unions, are you involved with them? Yeah, occasionally we're involved. You know, through we're a part of the National Association of Police Organizations and. Uh, uh, the State Association of PBAs, which is now the police conference uh, that just concentrates on uh, New York State. Yes, we're involved in uh, both those uh, entities, and we, uh, you know, we try and help any way we can, and they help us as well. Okay. Now, regarding technology, um, <clears throat> I don't think you're going to like this, <laughs> but I think it's easier to be a detective today in terms of crime solving than it was when I was around because you have so much technology to help you especially with the cameras in the street. Mm -hmm. I can recall that um, we didn't have that. We had to do a lot of gumshoe work, you know, walking in the middle of the night looking right. for witnesses. Um, today, with the cameras in the street, it's much easier to identify who's involved, and that was a big part of an investigation, of learning the identity of mm -hmm. the criminal. The rest was apprehending. So I think my opinion is it's easier to be a detective today than it was back in my time. Would you, from a standpoint of crime solution... Well, I, I agree with you on that, but, you know, it, uh, video canvases are very time-consuming. Yes. Uh, it takes a lot of time to track each camera to follow the individual involved in the crime. Uh, and again, this, this is all time-consuming uh, stuff uh, where you have to prioritize your cases, uh, you know, shooting, homicide, sexual assault, uh, God forbid, a, a you know, cop is shot, you know, uh, it a lot of time goes into the video canvases uh, tracking uh, the individual responsible for that crime. And there's just not enough detectives to do it. Uh, so, again, we have to prioritize uh, each case on a case-by-case -case basis. Uh, but also, uh, the paperwork is now, it's uh, most of it is on computer, correct? That's correct. Everything's on a computer right. or, so, or a phone. Yeah. So you don't have to mess around with the paper. Right. Like I right. did in my that's, time. That's right. That's <laughs> correct. So, in a way, it's... It's it's easier to be a detective today. Mm, I disagree with that. Well, I, I disagree you with that. <laughs> Absolutely, I disagree with that. I think it's even more difficult today because even though you got video there, you still have to identify the perpetrator. You still have to, as as uh, Paul said, you still have to do a canvas for the video, identify what video is useful, what's of value, what va what video is of value. Okay, you may go out there for two days and get videos that there's no value. Okay, you really have to, you know, so, and uh, as you're out there doing a canvas for the video, cases are coming in and coming in. So I disagree, Captain. I think it's uh, just as difficult, if not more difficult today to be at the And then we still the have to do the tr traditional canvases as well. With the video canvases, we still have to knock on the doors and, and you know. Old school police people. work. Old, knock on the door, yeah. ask a question, solve yeah. a crime. <laughs> it's, uh, it's old school police work is uh, sometimes uh, which brings closure uh, to, these, to these cases. But uh, before we go any further, I, I feel it's important that uh, I have to mention something. You know, today is the, uh, the fifth anniversary uh, of the loss of Detective Brian Simonson. Uh, you know, we had a mess uh, in his honor today, and uh, that was a tragedy. And, um, you know, he was a wonderful detective, well-respected detective, and uh, just a, a great guy. And somebody that I think should be mentioned and... Uh, and on it uh, on this program here today. Well, why don't you tell us about what happened with him? Well, it was a uh, it was a uh, robbery of a cell phone store, uh, and uh, Detective Brian Simonson uh, 
uh, responded, and uh, he got caught in crossfire um, in that situation, and he, and he lost his life. You know, and right now I'm, I'm in the process of uh, talking to a couple of our friends in Albany and in, in Congress as well uh, to try and get a bill uh, named uh, after Detective Brian Simonson uh, that would uh, render these cell phones uh, worthless um, once they are stolen. So what would happen is that the cell phone company <coughs> would be mandated uh, to shut that phone down and make it inoperable, render, rendering that phone worthless on the street. Right now they go for four to $700 to $700 on the black market. This would put a stop to that, which would bring burglaries, uh, robberies, larcenies, all down in regards to cell phones. Uh, I'm praying to God uh, that we get this done. It's starting to get some movement, and that, that legislation will be named in, a, in, in the memory of our hero detective, Brian Simonson. That's a good idea. Paul, I believe um, your sister passed away from cancer, yes. and she was also a 9-11 responder. Yeah, my sister was uh, worked for the uh, Humane Law Enforcement. She was a... Uh, uh, investigator with the, the law uh, humane law enforcement and uh she was taking uh you know she was there at the rescue and recovery uh but she was also taking the animals out of the buildings in 9-11 and all downtown uh, manhattan here and uh we lost her uh we lost her to breast cancer and uh she was a wonderful girl great person I'm very proud of her son uh, he just became a fireman, oh. and he's also a doctor of physical therapy as well. So his mother is very, uh, very proud of him uh, looking down. Nice. Uh, what a good, good kid he turned out to be. So what would you give someone today, a kid today who wants to come on the job? What, what advice would you give anyone who wants to get involved in law enforcement today? Well, I, I would have to be uh, quite uh, honest with uh, that individual and explain the difficulties uh, in law enforcement today of uh, today and uh you know, the oversight of uh, law enforcement today, you know, the NYPD has more oversight than a neurosurgeon, for God's sake. It's, uh, it's, it's ridiculous. You have the five district attorneys, you have the attorney general, you have the FBI, uh, you have the DOI. Um, CCRB. That's right. Yeah, CCRB. DFI. You know, uh, IAB. You have so many uh, people looking at everything you do. Uh, as I said earlier, a, a, neuro, a neurosurgeon doesn't have the oversight that cops have. Uh, you know, and I would just be honest with the people looking to come on the job and let them know what they're getting into may not, uh, may not, it's not like television. It doesn't, you know, work out that way. It's a lot of stress, a lot of pressure, and unfortunately because of what's going on, uh, suicides are up in policing not only here in New York City but across the whole country uh, because the pressures uh, that uh, these poor young cops uh, go through today uh, are very, very difficult. Uh, we didn't have to go through those pressures as young cops. Uh, they're not as bad. They weren't as bad then as they are now, and uh, they got a tough job. Yeah, true, true. Uh, you mentioned suicide. You know, we've had several people on this show <clears throat> that are involved in suicide prevention. Right. Is the DEA doing anything special um, for your members in regard to the suicides? Uh, absolutely. We have a you know a school uh, a pool of uh, of uh, psychiatrists and psychologists uh, that uh, help our members that are not affiliated with the NYPD because uh, there's always that sense of embarrassment uh, if the person reaches out to help for help and the job finds out about it you know there's that uh, label that goes on you so uh, we've helped uh, quite a few of our members uh, outside the department uh, get help uh, and it, it worked uh, very well so far
We used to call that they used to call that the rubber gun squad. Do they still call it that when when the cops' guns are taken? Yeah, well, I, I, that's not fair because uh, you know I don't like uh, you know talking about individuals that, they, that have a lot of issues that they go through. You know, they could have been involved in a shooting. They could have uh, saw their partner die. Uh, that takes a toll on anyone uh, in any any profession in the military, the police department, the fire department. You know, there's a lot that goes uh, goes on behind the scenes uh, in in our world. And uh, there's nothing wrong with talking to somebody to, to get help to get you through it. Yeah. So, Paul, I believe you'll be stepping down from the president as DEA come this summer. Yeah, I have 40 years in the police department, and I've been involved in police union, unionism since 1989. Uh, but uh, I'll be aging out uh, shortly after the, the new term starts. Uh, so, uh, you know, I just don't think that would be uh, in the best interest of the DEA and, and the members if I were to run. Uh, we have a new, there's a new ticket put together for team, uh, DEA 2024. Uh, that team consists of uh, a majority of the team that I'm working with now and worked with for years prior to this. And they, I think they're well versed, uh, on, uh, on what needs to be done, uh, in the DEA and, uh, and we'll build upon, uh, what we built, uh, moving forward. Okay. And what's next for you? Well, uh, next is a couple of weeks off, and uh, and then uh, we'll figure it out. I have a couple of a uh, couple of job offers uh, that I have to figure out. But uh, listen, it's a very emotional time for me. It's something uh, I'm going to miss. You know, sure. this is 40 years of my life uh, in policing, and uh, there's times I'm happy and I say it's it's time to go. But uh, I feel good about it, and there's times I'm very sad about it. So, uh, but it's difficult, but. Everybody's time comes, and uh, you know, uh, in June I'll be uh, I'll be stepping down. I will not seek reelection into the next term, and uh, the people that are running in the next term uh, will carry on, you know, what we've done in the DEA and move it forward. Captain Paul, I empathize with you because I did forty years, and I know the feeling. It's going to take you a couple of years to recover. <laughs> Believe me, you'll have dreams about the job and. It's, it's a tough adjustment after 40 years. Yeah. Um, but uh, for those listeners, uh, Paul mentioned uh, aging out. What he meant was the retirement age, the mandatory retirement age for the New York City Police Department is 63. Um, unfortunately, it, it's been tried. To, uh, people have tried to extend it, but with, they're stuck at 63. Yeah. And the fire department 65. I yeah. never understood that. But uh, And the Jersey State Police is 55. Oh, yeah, yeah. But again, like I said, it's, uh, it's, I'm very happy uh, with my career, and I was very uh, proud and honored to be a, uh, a cop, a detective. I never thought I would be the president of the DEA, and uh, it's something that I wish my father was here to see. He would have been very proud of it. And, um, and I'll always be here to help a detective, line-of-duty family members. Uh, that's something that I will always uh, you know, put as a priority in my life, whether on the job or off. You were also the president of the Columbia Association, correct? I was. No, right. I was the president of the Columbia Association uh, quite a few years back. My father was as well. Wow. And uh, that's something that uh, was a very uh, honorable position um, as well. It's something that I enjoyed. But, uh, anyway, I have St. Patrick's Day coming up soon, and I look forward to uh, <laughs> being at the parade with the canteen yeah. and, uh, and at the, uh, at the pier after. That's something that's very, very uh, fun. And a tradition uh, that's been going on for years and years and years. Yeah, true, true. 
Any last words, Captain? Uh, no, I just think that uh, Paul is a very uh, interesting guy, and I think he's got a career ahead of him. Oh, thank you. Well, I got to so, say, this was truly an honor to be here today, and uh, I want to thank you both uh, for having me. And uh, thank you. You know, you'll always have my uh, my doors always open to both of you, gentlemen. Thank I you. I really thank appreciate you. it. All you have done, Kevin. Uh, speaking of which, uh, for our line of duty families with Stephen Van Zandt. Uh, you've raised uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars for the DEA widow and children, and that's something that needs uh, recognition, and I thank, thank you, you for that uh, very much. Thank and, Captain, I love speaking to you, uh, your, your old stories, and uh, <laughs> uh, they're, they're great stories and yeah, something. You, you should read my thesis that I wrote in 1975. I, I, I will. I will. It's, it's in your office. It is in my office. Okay, I'll yes, find it. I will it's read the, it. Um, it's the it's the uh, organization and history of the detective bureau going back to its very beginnings. Wow! S somebody in your office has it. Uh, I, I'm sure uh, Sam Katz has sure, it now. Uh, <laughs> sure, Sam. Sam. I Katz, will uh, yeah. get my hands on that and in retirement, I'll read that every day. So. <laughs> okay. Well, Paul, it, it was an honor for me to be an elected delegate for ten years uh, yeah, yeah. with the Midtown North Detectives under uh, the DEA. It was a it was a, a great run, and uh, it's a great union. Protect any uh, NYPD detectives active and retired and fighting for all the right cause. So thank you again for being here. We wish you luck in your retirement. But you still have, I think, a lot of work to do before yeah, you we leave. we got a couple of months to go. So. Yeah, you have a lot of work to do before you leave. Yeah, I'm here till June, so thank you. A, that's, I appreciate it. It's going to be uh, a lot of work, but uh, but thank you again. So everyone, Paul DiGiacomo, president of the DEA, NYPD Detective Union, one of the largest detective unions in the world. And at this time, i like to thank everyone for listening. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe. You could also follow us on Twitter, at CopTalkWABC. That's at CopTalkWABC. Until next time, be safe out there. God bless law enforcement throughout the world. And God bless America. Thank you. <laughs>